Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Welcome to Industry Focus. I'm Nick Seipel. This week, John Rosevier joins the show to share his thoughts on the Lordstown Motors saga and update us on the latest in automotive news. John, welcome back on the podcast. Uh, it's great to be back, Nick. Yeah, it's great, great to have you. It's, it's a busy year. We want to lead off today starting about this Lordstown Motors saga. This is something that's been going on uh, for the past several months. We've had a flurry of news in the past couple weeks, executive departures, going concern warnings with the SEC. What is going on here with Lordstown Motors, ticker R-I-D-E? Let's well, let's set the stage by explaining to folks who might not know the company who Lordstown is. Do y'all remember a few years ago when uh, former President Trump got uh, quite upset about a GM plant in Ohio that was closing? Uh, that was in Lordstown, Ohio. The name here is not a coincidence. And that, sort of the deal that everybody struck was that this GM factory, which had built the Chevy Cruze, uh, GM would sell it, hand it off, whatever, to this startup that was a spinoff from uh, Workhorse Group, uh, the electric van maker, uh, called Lordstown Motors. And Lordstown uh, had a design that had been uh, created all or in part by Workhorse for an electric pickup. And the idea was they're going to take over this GM plant. They're going to build electric pickups here. Uh, the pickups are optimized for fleet use, supposed to go into production this fall. I mean, that was that that was the story. Um, but as we know, over the last few months, the story has developed some wrinkles. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it started back in March where Hindenburg Research, uh, which is the short selling firm that um, sort of blew a hole in Nikola last year, as we may recall, uh, and, uh, you know, among other things, their founder resigned and so forth. They dropped a report in mid-March saying, uh, among other things, Lordstown uh, had greatly exaggerated the pre-orders they had for this pickup, which is called the Endurance, uh, and also saying that, you know, the pickup is not close to production. There's no way it's going into production this fall, blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, this was a big, you know, to do because um, on the one hand, short sellers say things. On the other hand, Hindenburg had a track record specifically in electric vehicles, very specifically in electric trucks. And so, okay, uh, a few days later, uh, Lordstown confirmed that the SEC had requested some information. They had opened up an investigation on some level. Um, and and yeah, I mean, they stood by it until they didn't, right? <laughs> right. This month, this month, things have really escalated quickly. To use the uh, to use that Anchorman uh, reference there. So June eighth, Lordstown issued a going concern warning, saying basically confirming some of the allegations that um <laughs> that Hindenburg had made. Said quote, the company believes that its current level of cash and cash equivalents are not sufficient to fund commercial scale production and the launch and sale of their vehicles. These conditions raise substantial doubt regarding our ability to continue as a going concern for a period of at least one year. Then the next week, we, less we than should a week, actually hang on just a second. We should explain a going concern warning uh, is something you put in a regulatory filing, an SEC filing when your auditors make you do it. And, and what it means is your auditors aren't sure you're going to be around a year from now. And, and it, it, it's not just, oh, stuff we're saying in the fine print. This is actually a fairly big deal. Uh, it is a red flag for investors. It should always be a red flag for investors. And, and they did this 
in a very revised version of their 10K, their annual report for last year. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and so this was sort of the, the proverbial hit like a ton of bricks kind of thing. Exactly. And then, you know, we got even further uh, negative news. So on June 14th, the CEO and the CFO resigned to CFO Steve Burns and CFO Julio Rodriguez. We had new management uh, be installed or new folks rise uh, rise up in the company. What happened that day uh, was the independent board of directors, the ones who aren't directly affiliated with the company, uh, had hired a law firm to investigate the Hindenburg report. So, yeah, <laughs> it was it was like that. Uh, and then, yeah, the next day they come out, uh, the president, Rich Smith, uh, comes out and says, well, actually, we do have binding orders. Uh, we have enough binding orders from customers to uh, book production through sometime in 2022, blah, 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 blah. And then what happened? <laughs> yeah, more, C, more SEC news two days later, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean and then, you know, they went before they, there was a media event at the Automotive Press Association in Detroit, which is a, a club of people who cover the auto business. Uh, I used to be in it. I'm not sure I still am. Um, but but he, he, they went and said, you know, Lordstown has enough money. We're going to begin production. We're all good. Everything. And then on Thursday, they drop um, an 8K, which is the, the sort of news update. SEC filing, they say, well, in fact, we have no binding purchase orders. So this is like the legal department went back and uh, corrected them. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, the stock goes boop, boop on all of this during that week. It's been very volatile. Uh, but in fact, they have no definitive purchase orders. It's, that seems to be the story. They don't have any purchase orders that, that are actually definitive. They have expressions of interest from various fleet clients, large, small, and and otherwise, including uh, apparently some companies that have never bought fleet commercial vehicles before. Um, and, and that's where things stand, as far as we know. Right. So, so you know, as, as the company sits today, there have been rumors of, of the company's uh, struggles and inability to, to, to build vehicles. And as we've seen more and more of these, these regulatory filings come down and executives depart and things like that, that's starting to transition more and more from allegation to uh, definitive reality, I think, as we see how these disclosures are moving out. So uh, as someone who watches this space, where does where does Lordstown go from here? It's still like a $2 billion market cap uh, for the company. Well, they say they're seeking strategic partners um, or they're evaluating strategic partners is how I think they put it. I don't know who would invest in this at this point without taking, um, you know, a really big controlling stake or something like that. Uh, and at a 2 billion valuation, I'm not sure you want to put that much money in here. Uh, they did do uh, yesterday or Tuesday, they did uh, sort of an open house where journalists came out and said, well, you know, there isn't a lot of machinery in the factory. Uh, we drove the truck. There was one analyst, uh, Joseph Spack of RBC, I think, who said, yeah, okay, so I've driven the Lordstown Endurance. Um, it's not nearly as good as the F-150, the electric F-150 that Ford showed in May, which he had also driven, said, I don't think this is really, you know, a competitive product and so forth. Uh, folks from the New York Times said, you know, they're building vehicles by hand here. There, there, there isn't much tooling, there isn't much automation and so on and so forth. I don't, I don't know how they're gonna have the truck in production, you know, in two, three months. Uh, so it's not clear 
where is the smoke and mirrors and what is actually going on here? What seems to be the story, if you squint, is that even though they raised a lot of money last year and they swore up and down it would be enough to get a truck into production, they now don't seem to have the money to get the truck into production uh, on any sort of sustainable scale. And that may be because they thought they were counting on pre-orders which didn't materialize. Uh, there may also be a subtext here. I think I've said before on this program that I wonder if some of their fleet buyers who may have been thinking about ordering a few hundred Lordstown trucks uh, rethought that after seeing uh, Ford's truck and said, maybe we just want, you know, the F-150 Lightning Pro, which is Ford's fleet optimized truck, which, by the way, starts at a significantly lower price uh, than the Endurance. The Endurance is going to be fifty-four or 55000 starting. Uh, a Ford truck starts at like 41000 delivered. Uh, and it's 50000 I think, with, with extended range and a bunch of other goodies. Uh, so you know, total cost of ownership. Ford has a very strong argument here. And a lot of these companies have been buying Fords for years and years. So, you know, they, they could, they would, are going to swing to a product that just drops in with what they already have. Uh, that may be part of the story here that, that what they, some orders they were counting on kind of evaporated over the last couple of months. I don't know that for sure. I suspect it's part of it. Uh, but in any event, um, They've told a story and the facts on the ground don't seem to back it up. And yet somehow the stock is still trading around 10 bucks for reasons uh, I'm not sure I understand because you have to squint awfully hard to see a bull case here. And even then, um, even assuming the truck was going to production this fall, they're competing with Ford in the fleet market. Ford owns the fleet market. I mean, they're, they're the biggest player in the fleet market. Uh, the F-150 and its super duty siblings are the, are the biggest, the F-series as we call it, are the biggest selling pickups in the fleet market in the U.S. and North America. Uh, you know, to walk in as a new entrant when we don't know if you're going to be around to provide parts and service a year, two years from now versus, you know, I've got 300 Ford vehicles operating and these new vehicles come from the same supplier, the, you know, the upfitting parts and special adaptations we have on our existing pickups will fit the new Fords, the electric Fords and all that. It, it, it's hard to see them making um, the kind of sales that would seem to be baked into their valuation. Yeah, it's a t tough spot to be in. It's certainly uh, competition is intensifying here in the EV uh, space. I think skepticism among uh, investors is maybe moving up as we see more and more of these uh, types of things play out. We'll see what happens. But uh, you mentioned Ford. I want to move on to, to the next story we wanted to discuss today. So, uh, you know, we mentioned Lordstown has come public via SPAC. There's been a number of these in, in the EV space. We've got another one coming down. Uh, so Solid Power, uh, a solid state battery startup, has announced plans to go public via a merger with SPAC company Decarbonization Plus Acquisition 3. And what a great name. Um, what stands out to you about this uh, Solid Power deal? Solid Power has been on our uh, radar for a little while now. Um, you know, there was a lot of interest in QuantumScape, uh, another solid state battery startup that uh, went public, I guess, late last year and sort of un pulled the, the, the curtains back on their technology in December. Uh, and they do seem to have... Uh, you know, a prototype solid state battery, which is uh, a breakthrough technology um, 
versus existing lithium ion technology. This is something that will allow electric vehicles to have longer range with less weight, lower cost, if it all pans out. But at the same time, this is a technology that researchers have been chasing for years and years. And making a solid state battery that lasts a long time that can be produced at a reasonable price has proven to be a very, a very big challenge. But with electric vehicle interest booming, there's been a lot more interest in this space. Uh, the thing to know is that this is a, a, a sector, first of all, where things move on what you might think of as a glacial time frame. Uh, you know, QuantumScape's been at this 10 years, solid power's been at this seven or eight years. They were founded, yeah, 2012. So I guess it's about nine years now. Um, what makes solid power a little different from QuantumScape? Uh, QuantumScape is partnered with Volkswagen and they are talking about production in 2024, 2025, uh, beginning production of their solid state battery. Uh, solid power is partnered with Ford and BMW. Uh, they are already producing sort of a small-scale prototype battery on a pilot line. Uh, they expect to begin producing pilot production of their full-size batteries next year uh, and providing them to Ford and BMW for evaluation in their upcoming electric vehicles. Uh, one twist Solid Power has is... Um, that their batteries can be made on existing lithium ion factory production lines with some minor changes. Uh, so it, whereas some solid state battery designs, they're anticipating you got to build a whole new factory from scratch. Whereas solid power says, you know, we can adapt existing tooling and processes and so forth to make our batteries. This is something somebody could put into production at lower cost uh, on a shorter time frame and so forth, which is what makes solid power interesting. Um, they are relatively ahead of the other competitors we know about in this space in terms of getting to production. They have two big partners. Um, you know, the deal values them at $1.2 billion, which on the one hand is expensive for a company with very little revenue. Uh, on the other hand, is something of a bargain given the valuations that companies like QuantumScape have hit off and on over the last six, eight months. Uh, it, it, it's an intriguing company. Uh, I've talked to them a little bit. My sense is that uh, the management team is realistic. They know their stuff. They've got their heads down. They're like, you know, we've got partners. We've got a product to deliver, and we're working hard to deliver it. Um, it, it, it is a company that's definitely worth a closer look. Uh, is it a buy? I'm not sure yet. Um, I know I always say that, but we come back to them. Uh, it, 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 if you want to, if you want a solid state battery company in your portfolio, it's probably worth having a little bit of this. Uh, all of these companies are to some sense moonshots. We don't know when or how the technology is going to pan out. We don't know if it's going to end up being a mass market technology or like a technology that automakers use in small quantities in performance vehicles or upscale vehicles or something like that. Uh, it, it's hard. It, it is a murky space. It is a space where the technology moves really slowly, as I said before. Um, but it's also a technology that could be really dominant in 10 years if things go a certain way. And, and a player like this that is tied into two automakers, uh, you know, stands to do quite well if their tech pans out, if the tech pans out. Uh, so if you are, yeah, if you're, if you're holding a bunch of electric vehicle stocks and thinking of some of them as moonshots, this might not be a bad one to add. Yeah. I think you, 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 
both QuantumScape and Solid Power, I would say, are comfortably in the, the startup bucket, you know, kind of a venture capital type investment if you're investing in them today. Neither of them have products that you could go buy out at retail. These are still kind of research and development outfits. But I would say when you look at across the universe of startups, there aren't a lot of fo- a lot of folks that are partnered up with Ford and BMW in Solid Power's case. Not a lot of folks partnered up with Volkswagen in the case of uh, in the case of QuantumScape. So I think when you look among the the a uh, number of startups out there working in this space. These folks have, have some advantages, but still a lot of execution between now and you know me and you being able to go buy one of these things uh, you know in our vehicle or, or whatever uh, it may be. Yeah, I, I mean, we're talking about testing these in vehicles in a year uh, for, for solid power. For QuantumScape, it may be more like two or three years. Uh, yeah, this is, this is not coming to market anytime soon. Uh, that said, there are other solid state battery efforts that we don't know a lot about. We know that Toyota is working on one. Uh, they have hinted they may have something to show us next year. And we don't know whether that's, you know, the kind of thing that QuantumScape showed us, you know, directionally, here's our tech, here's where we're going, here's our time frame, or whether they're going to roll out a car. I mean, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know either way. Uh, but, but yeah, this is, get used to the idea of solid state batteries. If you are someone who watches the electric vehicle uh, space and not just for cars, but for, you know, all sorts of other things, drones, helicopters, uh, other electrified mobility products, uh, this could become a significant technology over the next few years. There are people working to make it a significant technology. Still something of a moonshot. Yeah. So, so you mentioned uh, more and more kind of EVs coming to market, EVs becoming more and more mainstream. That ties into the next story we wanted to discuss. So Audi gave some updates on their electric vehicle plan in the past week, are not going to offer uh, or introduce new internal combustion engine models after 2026. What should we be paying, be paying attention to with Audi? Well, um, they did put an asterisk in that. Uh, to say Audi has a significant presence in China and they say we're not completely sure how it's going to go in China. But, you know, their intent is to not spend any money developing new uh, internal combustion vehicles uh, within five years. And yeah, that's a big deal. And we've seen more and more, to put it in a little bigger picture, Automakers saying, okay, the timeline is accelerating. Okay, we're committing to this just in the last few months. And I think people are seeing in the marketplace that that buyers are showing up uh, or showing interest in new electric vehicles, perhaps more enthusiastically than people expected at this point in their evolution. Uh, Specifically, I think the, uh, to go back to Ford here for a moment, the electric F-150 and the response to that, I think opened a lot of eyes. And I think there might've been a lot of companies, several companies watching and waiting and sitting on the fence saying, okay, should we, you know, should we go full speed here or should we wait another year? And I think after that, some people said, all right, we're, we're going, we're going full speed here. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying Audi did this because Ford, uh, but just the trends that we are seeing where people are in the auto industry are saying, okay, we're increasing our investment. Uh, we're pulling forward those new models. We're going to build four battery plants instead of two and so on that we've talked about over the last month or two. Uh, there is a sense now that this is accelerating that, that, you know, we've said for years, eventually uh, electric vehicles are going to hit critical mass and go rolling out. Uh, that's now in sight, I think is the takeaway here. Yeah, so so we'll see what happens uh, with Audi. Certainly, certainly a lot of uh, momentum behind the, the shift to EV. Talking about uh, you talked to you know Ford's big announcement, GM getting more and more involved in electric vehicles. They announced uh, a new um, joint venture this week on Wednesday with Shell. Uh, what can you tell us about what's going on with Shell and GM? 
Well, um, I am not an oil analyst, but obviously Shell is <laughs> looking for a business model here <laughs> in the electric vehicle future. Uh, and, and you know, if you own a whole lot of gas stations, putting uh, high-speed electric vehicle chargers on the forecourts uh, is not the worst thing that you could come up with as a, as a plan B here. I know that BP in Europe is doing something similar. Um, and what GM wants is, is, you know, to make this as easy as possible, both for retail buyers and for commercial fleet buyers. And, and Ford has been doing something similar uh, just in terms of charging, charging at home, charging at your workplace, charging um, at a depot for fleet customers. Uh, right here, what they're doing with Shell is, is fixed rate energy plans. Uh, these are backed by uh, ostensibly 100% renewables. Uh, they're available for owners of GM vehicles in Texas. They're going to expand this uh, over time is the idea. Uh, they will, the, the, one of the ideas here is that the charging plan um, recharges overnight when rates are lower. We all know Texas has had some adventures recently um, in delivering electric power at reasonable rates and so forth. So this might be a more acute concern to people in Texas than people elsewhere. Uh, recharging overnight, recharging when taking advantage when rates are low to um, you know, use that time to recharge it. And this is something other automakers have talked about. Tesla's talked about this, Ford has talked about it and so forth. Uh, this is GM coming in here with a partner to, to, to start delivering this to retail customers. Um, and, and this is going to be, again, part of a broader suite of products. Uh, General Motors, like the other automakers who are now spending big in this space, just want to make this as easy as possible for everybody. Uh, you know, it's better for everybody when re people recharge at home um, rather than at, you know, at the Tesla superchargers. I know in some parts of the country, people talk about the huge lines at the Tesla superchargers and so forth. And some of the Tesla fans say, charge at home. Come on, it's easy. You know, if you live in an apartment, maybe that's not easy. But for a lot of people, they could be charging at home. Uh, and that's cheap and easy. And, and it just happens overnight if you remember to plug in. Uh, and, and you can optimize that to take advantage of lower rates at night when people aren't running air conditioning and computers and lights and so forth uh, quite so much. Uh, and, and this is something, again, we're seeing from a lot of people, just, just partnerships throughout the industry to try to make this as easy as possible. That's the theme here. Yeah, and, and automakers, you know, find, finding other new ways to attach revenue, right? Whether it's helping you charge or helping you, uh, yeah. you know, servicing yeah. or any, any of these other things. And so that this helps them deepen. Mary Barra's favorite word is adjacencies, things that we can, where we can find new lines of revenue that are adjacent to, you know, our existing core business of selling cars, trucks, and SUVs. Well, that, that's a perfect transition to, to the last topic I want to talk about today, that the company that is probably the best ever in history at finding adjacencies to expand their business into <laughs> is Amazon. And their news emerged this week um, that Amazon has placed an order for 1,000 autonomous driving systems uh, from self-driving truck technology startup Plus, and has acquired the option to buy a stake of as much as 20% of this company. John, what should we be paying attention to with this Amazon deal? Um, it's a good question. Plus trucking is one of those companies where like we've heard the name a few times and then all of a sudden they're out in front of us. They were kind of in stealth mode for a long time. I mean, these are self-driving uh, big rigs. This is thought to be uh, one of the first likely mass um, applications of self-driving technology, big trucks on highways where they go from depot to depot and then um, you know you switch to human drivers to make the local delivery and so forth. Uh, this, this is a, a space that has attracted significant investment. Um, 
you know, Plus is one of those companies that's attracted investment. Uh, they're backed by a number of ventures, uh, including um, a Chinese truck uh, company, uh, the English name is Full Truck Alliance, uh, but also uh, Shanghai Automotive Industry Corp, which we know as SAIC, uh, which is the joint venture partner of both Volkswagen and General Motors. I mean, they're, they're a big player, uh, government owned, owned by the city of Shanghai, basically, but they uh, are a, a company that has their fingers in a lot of promising pies uh, and that has been very profitable over the last several years. They are a backer here. Um, you know, plus has some partnerships with heavy truck makers, uh, including Cummins uh, and uh, Iveco in Europe. Um, they are they are looking to try and deliver this uh, sometime, you know, in the next year or so. Uh, again, I don't have a good read on their technology. This is all just coming out in the last several days. Uh, but Amazon's interest uh, and potentially large investment here uh, is, is makes it definitely noteworthy. Um, they have hired industry veterans. They have somebody from Navistar uh, and, and uh, Amazon folks have come into the company. This does look like something where Amazon is going to develop a partnership. Uh, obviously, Amazon's own logistics uh, investments have been huge. And to the extent that they, and they've pushed the technology in so many ways in terms of both warehouse automation and logistics automation and so forth, uh, big rigs uh, on highways uh, that Go, ro go robotically from depot to depot that can drive, you know, uh, longer stretches than a human driver, more safely than a human driver and so forth. Obviously that's of interest to a company like Amazon. So it's, it, 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 their interest says something about the state of plus trucking's technology. Um, I don't have more of a read on it than that for you yet. Uh, I, I have talked to some people about this and I'm looking to hear more about it. And hopefully in a week or two, we can come back and talk about that some more. Yeah, so, uh, you know, Plus is another one of these companies coming public via a SPAC. It's planning to merge with Hennessy Capital Investment Corp. 5. The ticker is HCIC. That deal values the company at about $3.3 billion. Same, same kind of ideas we talked about earlier with Solid Power. Lots of potential here in the future, but still not something being deployed commercially. It's a great spot to be as a startup to have Amazon backing you, but we'll see what happens with Plus, maybe broadening out a little bit with Amazon, if you look back over the past year, year and a half or so, Amazon has really been aggressive moving into this autonomy and EV truck space, whether it's the, the Rivian investment or they acquired Zooks. Now you have this move with Plus. Do you see Amazon as being really one of these big, major players in autonomous vehicles in the same way we've, we've thought about maybe Google in the past? I think Amazon wants it for their own account, first and foremost. Um, I'm not sure Amazon is going to be interested in the business of selling self-driving vans or whatever though who knows but but I think I think this is this for Amazon is about their logistics play their ongoing logistics investment let's let's bring in this technology let's see if we can make it work let's see if we can use it profitably in our own business uh, with Rivian they've made an investment uh, Rivian is an electric truck startup that is very close to production um, Rivian is going to be building electric delivery vans these are not self-driving at the moment uh, but they are on Rivian's technology. Rivian uh, also has Ford among its investors and advisors. So they are Ford advised. Uh, they are, I think it's 100,000 electric delivery vans for Amazon. So it's a significant order for them. Um, 
you know, again, this is this is kicking the tires of a lot of different things. Amazon throws off so much cash. Happy Amazon shareholder here, by the way. Uh, Amazon throws off so much cash that they can they can do things like this. And again, like Google, bet on something that may be a moonshot that may not pan out for several years. Uh, for me, uh, again, as an Amazon shareholder, it's an interesting indication of their thinking. Uh, it's in line with what they've been doing for years and years, as I said, automating warehouses, now automating logistics and so forth. Uh, you know, a lot in, in, in line with a lot of the other stuff they've talked about, drone deliveries and, <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. You know, d drone deliveries from your local Whole Foods, which they bought, uh, which some people thought that might be a real estate play as much as anything else to get Whole Foods locations, which are all in upscale suburbs, right? Or upscale parts of cities. Uh, you know, it, it, it is a clue into their thinking. Um, the fact that they have kicked the tires of, of plus trucking and, you know, gone this far with them um, and that plus trucking does have some investors who are, you know, maybe not immediately recognizable to those of us in the West, but SAIC is a big deal uh, for an automaker. They're a big Chinese automaker. Uh, Full Truck Alliance is a fairly big deal. Um, Cummins is a big deal and so forth and heavy trucking. Uh, th this is a company that deserves to be on our radar. Yeah, something to continue watching. I think pretty much anything Amazon gets involved in is worth paying paying attention to. But of course, this space across the board, uh, lots of exciting stories to be told and ones that we'll continue to follow here uh, with you, John. Um, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you, so we, we've talked a lot about autonomy, you know, uh, electric vehicles, all that stuff. There, there's a lot of kind of very headline grabbing things in the auto industry. Uh, but is there a story right now that you're paying attention to that, that, that folks maybe aren't seeing at the top of these headlines that, that should be on folks' radar? Um, I think... I mean, it plays into some of the things we've talked about, but um, specifically, I think people should be talking more about electric commercial vehicles and focusing on the side of that. Obviously, that's where Lordstown was aimed. That's where Workhorse Group is aimed. Uh, but also, even for companies like Ford, Ford sees... Uh, you know, the adjacencies, to use that word, the software and so forth that they can sell with electric pickup trucks and delivery vans to their commercial and government fleet customers as a significant revenue booster. Uh, you know, for, for a fleet that's looking at total cost of ownership, that's maybe under board pressure or regulatory pressure to green up their operations, uh, electric vehicles make a ton of sense in a lot of ways. Companies big and small are moving to meet these needs. Uh, this may be a place that gets to critical mass before the retail market does, at least in North America. Uh, it is something that I think people should be watching more. Um, you know, Ford's move to, just to go back to this same example, we've been talking about Ford a lot today, but it's a good example of this right now. Uh, they have streamlined, they, they have basically put all of their commercial vehicle operations for the first time um, into a new line of business under uh, Ted Canis, uh, a veteran Ford executive who uh, is really a terrific uh, salesman and communicator and, and profit for Ford's technology, uh, is running this operation. They're, they're rolling out almost a sub-brand, what they call the pro brand. There's a pro version of the F-150 Lightning that's designed for fleets. It's their work trucks. They're for commercial fleets. They're for government fleets and so forth. Um, just the amount of investment that's going into this space, I think it's under the radar of a lot of investors who see Tesla and then look for companies that are like Tesla. Um, you know, fleet stuff, 500 trucks for, for 
a construction company, a thousand trucks for Verizon or whatever, does it kind of goes under the radar of a lot of uh, you know individual investors. But this is big business. It is good, profitable business. It is business that companies like Ford and GM compete aggressively to win. Um, and it's companies, and it's where some new entrants like Lordstown, like like Workhorse, are are aiming very carefully to try and get into that market. I think that should be. Uh, and, and the speed at which that market is going should be more on folks' radar. Well, John, I think you gave me an idea for a future episode of the podcast. I hope you'll, you'll join me uh, in the future to talk about that. But until then, thank you for joining me as always. Thanks for having me. As always, people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for mixing the show. For John Rosevere, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and Fool on.